0: It's a privilege to be in your presence today and to share with you and speak with you. Uh, I'm going to challenge you, and I hope that you'll all respond to the challenge. Um, about last time I was here, I think I took Chuck Smith's place on World News Briefing. It's on hischannel.com. Hischannel.com is a Christian 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week internet uh, Broadcasting system, and it's in 186 countries right now. In the 10th most watched country is Iran. Iran has millions of people coming to Jesus right now. So, no telling what the war is going to do, but we know that Iran is in Ezekiel 38, and uh, they, with Russia, are going to invade Israel. And all the countries that are in Ezekiel 38 are now on the border of Israel ready to attack. You're alive at this time. So the challenge is going to be, we don't have much time. In our country, when last time I spoke to you, this conference, I'd shared how our country was going downhill really fast. And now it's almost going to be over with before we'll know it. And I have to question, where are the men? Where are the American men that stand up, that believe in God, and that he gave this nation to people that were not wanted in England and Europe because they believed in God and believed in the Bible. And now we have beasts and monsters changing sex and defaming the image and the likeness of God. Masculinity is under a huge attack right now. And you're being affected by this one way or the other. But if the men, that claim to be God's men, don't stand up quickly and shortly, this country's not going to last too much longer. Evilness and wickedness creeps in every corner. Jeremiah, when he's trying to warn the Israelis, the the Jewish people at the time, he says, death creeps in through your windows to get your children. And it's pretty much death through the cable and the internet has come through the windows to capture the mindset of the children. Can you imagine that we are where we are? So I was asked in this uh, conference if I could speak on the idea of reverence. And I found that reverence is one of the things that was lacking when you read the prophets. Not by the the prophets. had great reverence for heaven and for God and for God's people. But it was lacking among the people towards one another and towards God Himself. And we've seen this fall apart all across the United States in the last four years. Is that somewhere between 1,500 and 2,200 ministers still every month are leaving the ministry. Churches, Christian schools, Christian bookstores collapsing, going bankrupt, shutting down. Uh, Every month in this country and all of a sudden there's a handful of people left that are a remnant and God always Would stand up and fight for the remnant so I'd like to pray for you I'd like to pray for your family right now that God would just do something in your hearts the light of fire That you would get on fire for this God Who has given you eternal life and forgiveness of sin? And I know I'm a sinner, but looking at all you together there's a lot of sinners here all of us and we need to be reverent to God that he has the power to forgive and to heal and to restore and give our families back if we ran them away so father I thank you for these men my brothers I thank you for them and I pray that this moment your Holy Ghost would come upon them and baptize them with your power I ask Lord that living waters would come gushing out of their innermost beings that these men would be aflame for You, Lord, and they'd be used by You, led by the Holy Spirit, ignited with the words of Jesus Himself, and Your love, that only You can give, would pour through these men, and that people would be in awe of the changed lives that they represent, and they would desire to have a changed life, too. Have mercy on our country, Lord. Have mercy on our senators, our representatives, Our executive staff, our Supreme Court. Lord, it's wickedness at the highest levels. And Satan's laughing and mocking, and he's mocking you. And out of respect of you, we want to resist the devil. You said he'll flee, but nobody is resisting him. And he's taken over state by state, county by county, city by city, house by house. And so, Lord, we're asking for you to work a miracle with weak vessels such as each of us that we could be used by you to bring heaven into the hearts and the homes in New Mexico, in Berlin, in Albuquerque. Lord, bless these men. Open their ears, open their eyes, open their hearts and flood them with your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. The text that uh, we were all given for the theme, of course, is uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 6 7. I like to read them to you. I like to read scripture from the Bible, it helps the speaker and the listener. Young men, likewise exhort to be sober minded in all things, showing yourself a pattern of good works in doctrine. Showing no corruptness. Gravity. Sincerity. You're sober-minded. Now in verse 6 it says, Talk to the young men. So he's talking to the older men. Of which we are in this room. Probably a majority. But older men should always be discipling younger men. A church should not be full of older men and women with no younger men and women. My responsibility to my six children and twenty grandchildren and eight grandchildren is I disciple them with the word. I pray with them. I hug them. I wrestle with them. I tickle them. I take them places. I explain the sun and the moon and the stars and God to them. You don't ever want to be an old man. You'll be a lonely old man if you're not passing on what God has given to you. Or you're a hypocrite. You've never really received what you say you've received, and I've never known Gone on 50 years now a day without the Lord Or without waking up and going to bed at night with him filling everything between that consciousness and that sleep I don't know what it would be like to not have a fire burning in my heart Because of what he's done for me And what he's done for my wife what he's done for all of our children and how he healed our divorce. And brought us both back together as believers. And then to have such a huge family. When I never had a dad. I didn't know how to be a parent. And yet the Bible shows you how. God endorses what he says. And he blesses us. But men. My brothers. Sons of God. Our country. We are responsible for. and We can't let this go on any longer. We have 330 million people living within our borders, and most of them are not going to see heaven. And all those that are in power seem to be powerless right now to all the wickedness and the evilness that has come into our school systems, into our television sets, into our internets, and into all the entertainment systems. How messed up does a man have to be to think that he's a woman? How messed up does a man or a woman have to be to think they're neither one? And now we find out there's over 130 different genders that you can choose from on your driver's license. Well, there's only two genders, male and female. But you see, the words are being changed. And the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing sunder of your soul and your spirit. And it shows you the intents and the thoughts of your heart and your mind going down to the very joints and the marrow of your bone. And that marrow is where the sustenance for life is that keeps us all together. And the word of God can speak to every bit of your fiber. Sometimes, as the last speaker just mentioned, we get in arguments. We get into fights. We, we go against one another which shouldn't be heard of. I forgot, I was in New Mexico when I got out of car just uh, coming up. I saw two, two of you here, um, you were vaping and I've been studying about this vaping stuff and all of a sudden epidemic is coming that people are mixing their vaping and now 20 year old men have the lungs of a 90 year old man and there, it's an epidemic. People are dying from the vaping and they were vaping, I see you both here. And we got talking, I said, you guys are going to kill yourself. He said, no we not, and they, they were gentlemen, they just started talking away, and he said, no, 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 we don't do that, we don't do this, it's just uh... And I said, yeah, but this is a fact, that every cigarette a person smokes takes 10 minutes off of their lifespan. Now when you're 14 and trying to be cool smoking on a Friday or Saturday night at a party or something, hey, 10 minutes is nothing, because you're going to live to be 170 or something. You think that's never going to come. So they explained their point on vaping. But see, I forgot I was in New Mexico. I looked down and I forgot this is a carry state, open carry. I would never, having been a reserve police officer for nine years, I would never, and even being kind of a rowdy growing up, I'd never confront a man with a pistol on his hip, but I just did it here at the church. So brothers, thank you for not shooting me. I appreciate that. Chuck Smith used to say if you give a text without a context you have nothing but a pretext it's a pretext is basically uh, you know you're making something up in a way so the text that we have is Titus chapter 2 verse 6 and 7 but that's without a context not going to help us much so I'm going to read the context I'm going to read from verse 2 he's saying to the men but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine that the older men be sober grave temperate well balanced sound in their faith in love in charity and in patience And the older women likewise that they be in behavior as becomes holiness not false accusers not given too much wine teachers of good things that they may teach the young women To be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Young men, likewise exhort, and there's our text, to the young men, exhort them to be sober-minded, think straight, think good, in all things. Showing yourself, you and I, the men, showing ourselves a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing no corruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not rebuking or sassing back and answering again. Hmm. That's the context that you and I as men are to be living, walking, talking even silently witnesses for the glory of God. That when somebody wants to accuse us and they see our lifestyle and our manner of living in our heart and our attitude for other people they have no way they can condemn us. It should make them ashamed that even thought of saying something bad about you. And you young men that are here. Us older men didn't do you very many favors, it looks like, if you look at this world. You have a lot of pressures upon you that we never had when we were teenagers. You have a lot of pressures coming on you once we go to heaven if the Lord doesn't come back. And you do not have a lot to stand on. But you need the Word of God. And if all of us older men had taken the Bible up when we were younger men, not only would we saved ourselves a lot of heartache and problems and hurt and pain that we had inflicted on other people, we'd be much happier today probably. And our country would be a totally different place. I want to challenge you men. We are an example to the younger men. And you younger men, look to the Lord we will always let you down. And if we're not living up to the example that you just read that an older man should be living, you need to humbly come to us out of respect and reverence and say, you know, I wanted to ask you why you talk like that. Don't walk up to anybody with a gun on their hip and say, you shouldn't be vaping. But walk up and say, your foul language offends me. And be honest. We need to know what God would have us do. In Psalm 111, verse 19, it tells us something about God that's only found one place in the Bible. And this should strike fear into every minister's heart around the world. It says, he sent redemption unto his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. Reverend is God's name Ministers shouldn't be reverends and should they that's God's name We're nowhere at his level Many years ago at the Southwest Calvary Chapel pastors conference in Tucson by uh, Pastor uh, Farrell he had invited Chuck Smith myself and Don McClure and uh, John Corson John Corson got up and gave a message. And I asked Robert Farrell, could I buy 750 of those messages for the 750 pastors? There are now 1,800 pastors throughout the world, Calvary Association. And he said, our church will pay for half. You can pay for half, your church. I said, OK. So I went to Chuck. And I said, what do you think of his message? He says, right on. I said, I just buy in one for every pastor to take home. You know what it was about? It was about the inconsistency of God's ministers. And he brought this up about Reverend is God's name. Now, Chuck, when I first met him, uh, I didn't know anything about the Bible. But I remember him saying, Don't call me Reverend Smith, just call me Chuck. And then as things go on, he became Pastor Chuck. And then As things went on, he became Papa Chuck, and uh, we tried to keep things off of us. But what John Corson said, most denominations have the title Senior Pastor. And he thanked the Lord that Chuck did not take the title of Senior Pastor, which he would have a right to take because he was the senior of every pastor that was there. And he said, how can you be reverend if God's name is reverend and holy? And how can you be senior pastor when Peter says, when the chief shepherd shall appear? Jesus is the senior shepherd. So to have a business card and impress you, this is Reverend McIntosh, senior pastor, meaning everybody else that works for me is less than I am. We forget. I liked what the last speaker had to say at the end thereof. Let's choose our words well. Let's not get into battles over doctrine. That's silly. But when our heart is a little bit off, the church goes a little bit off. I've flown planes since 1966, I think. And um, I've flown all kinds of planes. Uh, Twin, single, water, air, uh, jet, whatever. And I know that if I'd leave San Diego International Airport, and I'm headed to Honolulu. And I just forgot to have all my electronics checked out. And they're, they're looking good, but they're missing about 2.5 degrees off of what I'm really flying. It doesn't sound like much. It's not much when you leave San Diego International behind your LAX. You look back there and, oh, it's just a little bit off the runway here. But you go 2,400 miles, you're going to miss the state of Hawaii completely and run out of fuel, and not even make it home ever again. So just to be a little off as a man, that's dangerous for our country. To be a little off as a husband, that's dangerous for our family. To be a little off as a Christian, that's dangerous for our soul. And we need to have reverence for the one we say we carry his name. And yet, do we always see reverence and respect and awe Deeply grateful is one dictionary's translation for the word rever- reverence. Deeply grateful. Deep respect, devotion, or veneration. Yes, reverence. But we have some problems as men. And this is a men's conference. And we have some big problems. This is a headline from Newsweek magazine just recently. Barry Stagner and I, who co host the uh, program, um, we, uh, we spend hours and hours every day in over two hundred different sources of getting information for the program, and then showing in the program how this is part of what the Bible says the end days would be like, and then read it. And there's so much happening now; it's just it's just at an acceleration speed that's going on. Men, we have to wake up. This is the headlines for the world. Magazine Newsweek, ISIS supporters call for poisoning of food in grocery stores across the United States and Europe. ISIS supporters call for poisoning of food in grocery stores across the United States and Europe. I've had the privilege to be 10 or 15 minutes away from ISIS. And I've had the privilege of seeing and meeting and sitting with and debriefing young women that were kidnapped, raped and brutalized and sold as sex slaves by and for ISIS members. So I know what these men are like. They're not men. I dare to say they're even animals. The atrocities that they have committed And when the Secretary General of the Kurdish Parliament briefed us, said, it's not just the cute teenage girls, it's any boy or girl five years or older. That's how sick these men are. And then when you sit privately, and you listen carefully to the translator, and look at the face and the emotion, and you try to feel what they're feeling and understand so that you can now come into their culture, And pull that pain out of their heart. And let the Lord just put the love in there. You have to listen carefully. And it wasn't just the cute 16 year olds. It was the women in the Christian villages. They were all lined up. Little girls. Teenage girls. Moms. Grandmothers. And they faced all the men of the village. Christian men like you and me. And they would make the men, hands tied behind their back, after they dug a big ditch that they're going to shove them into and decapitate them, watch eight or ten guys rape every female that believes in Jesus in that village. That'll be the last memory those men will ever have. And then, when the women calm down and they set them up, the last thing they see is the men that will not denounce Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and the sword take them off at the neck, and they push them into the ditch. That's what's going on around the world. There is more persecution for Christianity around the world today than any other. And you and I sit here without any reverence sometimes, taking it all for granted. Those people don't even know what a real grocery store is with air conditioning. You can go down the street, go down the street, go into the big town. You've got air-conditioned places. You've got everything spit-polished, and the floors are all clean. We take it all for granted. And yet we think we're Christian. I just hope if there's one of you this afternoon, you think you're a Christian, that you'll get it right with God. And for those of you on the fringe, you really don't want to be here, but you told your wife you'd go. And she sent your next-door neighbor's husband to make sure you do go. And you're not going out there and calling some girlfriend on the phone. No. This is a spiritual warfare. We fight against not flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. This is an invisible enemy that can turn into a human right before your very eyes. Or he can possess a pig or an animal and can attack your family. It's come through your airwaves. This is what you're listening to. It's in the music. It's everywhere. It's all anti-Christ. It's all anti-God. It's all anti-heaven. It's all for you to have whatever you want. And isn't it interesting that's what our country has become. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was written in the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25. In a day that there's no king, no leadership. And the judges ruled. Not the executive branch or the legislative branch, but the judicial branch. That's the ones that are making the rules. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And that's where America is today, before its light goes out. Every man doing what he feels is right. But we have a higher calling. And in that calling, we give reverence to the Lord God Almighty. We give reverence to His Word. Do we really give reverence to His Word when we maybe read it once or twice in six months? That's not giving God reverence or His Word. Spend no time ever in prayer. That's not giving God reverence. All the things we don't do show that we don't reverence the Lord God Almighty. But we should fear and tremble in His presence. This is from the United States Army. It is, uh, I got it legally. It's not, okay, there's no confidential secret, top secret, Department of the Army, and I want you to listen carefully, men. Uh, This was uh, September 23rd, this week. The 167th Military Police Detachment at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and all of you that served. We thank you for that. I remember as an 18-year-old being in basic training with the Army and I thought, Why am I here? What did I do? Memorandum for record. Subject, crime awareness slash prevention in action case number. Four things. And this is from the criminal intelligence analyst named Stephen P. Gauntz. So I'm putting him on the hook here because this is on the Internet and it's approved by Special Agent in Charge Ryan D. Bostan. So the FBI and the Intelligence Department of the United States Army. The Fort Sill CID, Criminal Investigation Division Office, received an intelligence bulletin regarding, this September 23rd, a credible potential mass shooting to occur at an unknown movie theater during the release of the new Joker movie scheduled on October 4th, 2019. The Intelligence Bulletin was published by Travis County, Texas Sheriff's Office, and working with the local FBI field office, they have discovered disturbing and very specific chatter in the dark web regarding the targeting of an unknown movie theater during the Joker release. Number two, this notice is to have the widest dissemination to the Fort Sill, Oklahoma community as a potential threat within our jurisdiction. Commanders need to be aware of this threat for soldier and family safety and to increase situational awareness should they choose to attend the release of this movie at a local theater. Number three, the Fort Sill CID office will maintain visibility of this intelligence and update the Fort Sill, Oklahoma community as new information becomes available. If you need a point of contact, here's the number it says, and you can contact them. Now, I was in on a debriefing in Aurora, Colorado, and I'm, a, I'm trained in briefing and debriefing military and law enforcement. And um, those people that were in that theater were sitting ducks. I was told that there were four theaters showing the Batman movie that night, that the man went and killed all the people in that theater. That theater was the only one out of four or five that had a sign out front and in the ticket booth no guns allowed. That man chose the one place that people wouldn't have guns. He set up bombs and triggers all over his apartment. The the police were so wise they went in and military people And they went to the windows on a ladder before they opened the door and blew themselves up. And that guy was very tricky. But you know the pain and the sadness that you don't think of? is the two teenage girls that their dad who works a lot and doesn't get to spend a lot of time, took them to that movie. And when the shooting started, he said, Girls, follow me. And he grabbed hold of them. He went out a side door. And they said that they stood up on a little knoll a couple hundred yards away and they could look back at the theater. And he said, I've got to go back and see if I can help anybody. They never saw their father again. Because as he is helping a couple of people get up that were wounded, the man turned and murdered him. Do you know what it's like for those girls? Do you know what it's like for people that had a permit to carry that didn't bring their gun and the guilt that they have? Do you notice like? in our country when you've got hundreds of these events happening and nobody cares about you this doesn't go away from them at all we have problems and we are the men of this country when God stood up with Israel every nation around them knew that the men of Israel would not compromise if you messed with their family or their property Then Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, come unto me, all of you who are weary. It's a weary time for men. Tired. And those that carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. The things we did, I had a young man that has so much uh, genius IQ uh, say to me the other day, He's got a great job in Washington, D.C. I wasted my youth. I wish I hadn't wasted my youth. Oh, the devil loves it when men waste their youth. And he loves it when men are promiscuous and they get an STD that's with them every month for the rest of their life. (laughs) Do you know gonorrhea of all the things, of STDs, is in epidemic proportions throughout America right now? not to mention the other diseases that come from what God said is adultery or fornication. God didn't say don't have sex because I don't want you having fun. He's saying I know things that you don't know and I don't want you to get harmed. The marriage bed in the book of Hebrews says is pure and undefiled. So the word for pornography in the Greek language is pornea. And when you look at an easy translation of pornea, it means any sex outside of marriage, perverted. It's perversion. If you're hung up on pornography, pornea has you perverted. And I know this is one of the deepest subject matters for men in America, because it has the imagination and there is a group of hackers from Germany and some of you in this room, i venture the size of this crowd, have received a hit from them that they have hacked your computer and they tell you your password and they have you looking at pornographic sites and unless you give them X amount of dollars, we now control your contact list and everybody is going to receive on your contact list the video of you looking at naked people having sex one with another. And maybe you aren't aware of this, but you're being set up. And we're going to pray that God will set you free because you are weary. You have a heavy burden. Turn to Mark chapter 12. Would you please and look at this story that Jesus chose to teach. And not only Did Mark get it? Luke also got it. And when you see something in the Bible that's more than one time, that's a rabbi teaching you, this will be on the test on Friday. Whenever it's repeated, you want to take heed to what is being said because the word is trying to help you. This is Mark chapter 12. Then Jesus began to speak to them in parables. Parables are stories. They're, they're more than words. They're illustrations. They said to Jesus, why do you speak in parables? He said, so that the men can hear, will hear. And those that can't hear, won't hear. So he put it in a parable. So a man that wanted to get close to him and his father would understand what it means. The fact that this is in here more than one time says we should listen up. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it. He dug a place for the wine vat and he built a tower. And he leased it to vineyard dressers and went into a far country. Now at the vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. They could pay their royalties, they could pay their land lease. And they took him and they beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant. And at him... They threw stones. They wounded him in the head. They sent him away shamefully treated. And again he sent another. And him they killed. And many others beating some and killing some. Therefore still having one son. His beloved. He also sent him to them. Last of all saying. They will have reverence for my son. They'll have respect. But those vine dressers said among themselves, Hey, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and they killed him. They cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He's going to come and destroy these men and he's going to give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and this was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes and they sought to lay hands on him but they feared the multitude for they knew he had spoken the parable against them so they left him and went away you see this is God sending Jesus to the vineyard Israel and he's getting his fruit And he sends the prophets and they kill them and finally he says in Jesus with his own words in John 3 16 that God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son. Whoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Paul told young Timothy. You know God would have none to perish. But all come to salvation through the knowledge of his son Jesus Christ. They'll reverence him. Won't they reverence Jesus? Well maybe on Easter. Sometimes on Christmas, reverence him. They'll respect my son, won't they? I've done so much for these men. And they're greedy. They have no reverence or respect. Just like we were told, and you that have masters, you that labor, you that have a job, respect, show reverence to the management. At the end, he sends... And the sun is going to come back. Now, we've always had a problem with women. They're a different breed almost, but they're not. And, uh, you know, Adam transgressed. Eve actually sinned. And he knew that he should not bite into the fruit. So that was a transgression. She was seduced, and that was the sin. And he was standing there, right, well, what kind of a man is going to let his wife wander off and start talking to the devil dude? Some beautiful guy with a Liberace jacket on, some serpent, some dragon that can talk to Dr. Doolittle. You, you have such a responsibility if you're a husband here. Because you and I are going to stand, and I, I tremble at this one. What did you do in... How did you take care of my daughter that you're married to? We're going to ask answer for bad attitudes, for anything. The Bible says they are the lesser, they are the weaker. For it was Eve that was seduced, not Adam. So I'm glad the last speaker spoke about marriage. And the biblical place in marriage, and sex or no sex, in Pornography—it's as relevant today as it was the day that God nuked Sodom and Gomorrah. His word does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm going to leave you with this thought. This is advice on marriage to young ladies. It's from the 1980s, excuse me, the 1880s, during the suffrage movement. This is much like the now movement of women in America. There's eight short things. One, do not marry at all. Two, but if you must avoid the beauty men, uh, the flirts, the bounders, the tailors, the dummies, and the football enthusiasts. Number three, look for a strong, tame man. A fire lighter, a coal getter, window cleaner, yard swiller. Number four, don't accept too much. Most men are lazy, selfish, thoughtless, lying, drunken, dummies, heavy-footed, rough, unmanly, brutes, and they need taming. Number five, this is what your undercurrent is. This is the eight commandments from the devil to women. All bachelors are and many are Worse still. Number six. If you want him to be happy. Feed the brute. Number seven. The same remark. Applies to dogs. Want a happy dog? Feed him. Number eight. You'll be wiser. Not to chance it. It isn't worth the risk. That's what women. Were taught. In the 1880s. That came to the USA. And what was it? that was said to Eve to turn against her husband. The Bible says, think upon the things of heaven and not the things of this earth. In Hebrews it tells us then we must reverence him who we fear. Verse 28, chapter 12. But Jeremiah, speaking to a backslidden nation, said, God has this to say to you, men. He said, for I know the plans that I have for you. He has plans, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's God's wish for you men. But how can I ever find that plan if I don't reverence His Word? I don't reverence the gift, the prayer that I can talk with my Creator and hear and I can lay out my family one by one. There's 42 in my family, including, including the spouses that married my granddaughters and my kids. Just as you get the second trustee paid off your house for all those anniversaries, all those birthdays, and all the Christmas presents, here it is. October's coming. I've got to get another one for this Christmas and all the next ones. But God has a plan. And it's a good plan. And I ask you to fear Him of the possibility you may not be walking in His plan but in your plan, or worse yet, the devil's plan for your life. This is an hour that you and I have to repent of our sins and to fear God and honor Him and lift Him high above us. God wants to use you men. He wants to step in one last time. And unless a revival breaks out, I doubt next year at this time, Things will be what they are today. It's horrible what's going on around the world. So don't hide from it. Stand up. The saints overcome the devil by three things. The book of Revelation says. Number one, the blood of the Lamb. Don't ever forget. There's blood shed for you. And you should reverence the man who gave his blood so you wouldn't have to give yours. Number two, the word of their testimony. When you live a life and you can tell a life of how God has changed your life, the devil gets out of the room, out of the neighborhood because other people say, well, could that happen to me? And then you could start talking to him about the truth. The blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony, and the third thing, that men love not their lives unto death. It's not about you. It's not about all the accoutrements in your garage. It's about your heart and the accoutrements that are in there from heaven and you reverence the one who gave them to you shall we stand and shall we pray Lord I thank you for my brothers for these men you know from Rhode Island and Maine down to Florida over to California and up to Washington, Oregon, Montana, across the top of our country, the cities have fallen to sin. (laughs) Groups of people have walked away from your house. People have forgotten your vocabulary and used the devil's. Lord, men are not standing and defending the teenagers and the kids that have so much in the schools that are evil. May we tell you right now from our hearts, we love you. Go ahead and tell him, I love you, Lord. I love you and I want to be used by you, Lord. Say that to him right now. I want to be used by you, Lord. I want you to fill me with your Holy Ghost. Give me the power, the courage to stand for you. Have mercy on our souls, Lord. Let us have more respect and honor given to you just by our lifestyle. Bless these men. In Jesus' name, amen.